Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. At that particular mm-hmm. moment, what was that like? She handed me the phone and the number. <laughs> it had that kind of calling like, oh, you know, like <laughs> something's opening up here. We both had something to own and cherish and protect, and also a place to play cards. <laughs> you know, yes. something like that. Hello and welcome. Today we'll be joined by Lee Shua and Beck Belofsky to talk about Buried in Treasures. We'll chat about the reality of living life in a home overflowing with stuff, tips from a recovering finder keeper, and the resources available to help. We're also going to be introducing the very special Oasis, but more on that later. Firstly, let's introduce Lee. Lee Shua is an artist, violinist, writer, and space invader in recovery. Lee co-authored the Buried in Treasures Workshop Facilitator's Guide with Dr. Randy Frost, and he's published The Wrap for Reducing Clutter with Dr. Mary Ellen Copeland. His interests include walks in the woods, petting cats, exploring the world with his wife, Beck, and asking people to stop using the word Hoarder. <laughs> now let me introduce Beck. Beck Belovsky, co-founder of Mutual Support Consulting, is an international trainer, speaker, and relationship facilitator committed to supporting the emotional development and social connectedness of people of all backgrounds, ages, and neurodiversities. Beck synthesizes her learning from Smith College, life, and travel abroad, and her own mental health experiences to help people traverse the human condition. Welcome, Lee and Beck. Welcome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We're so excited to be with the two of you today. It's so good to have you both back on the show. It was such a thrill speaking to you. I can't believe how quickly time has gone several months ago and some amazing things have been happening in the meantime, which we're going to dive into in today's episode in your world, especially Lee and Beck. Now, before we get started, for those people who maybe didn't hear our episode last year and maybe don't know your story all that well, can you just give us a brief rundown on how life has gone for you and how you've kind of come to this position of helping people become recovered space invaders. When Lee and I got together and were a new couple, you know, we got to know each other and uh, I felt very at home in his apartment and it was pretty heavily decorated, I'll call it. There was lots of stuff around and um, I didn't think twice about it really except he was a busy guy with lots of great interests. And um, eventually we got married and then we were moving into a new place because that apartment was shared with other housemates. And I assumed much of the belongings there were represented by other people in the home. And when we decided to move into our new little cute married apartment, I said, hey, honey, let's go. What are you taking with you from this apartment? And he said, oh, it's all mine. It's all coming with us too. (laughs) First shock of the marriage. (laughs) Whoa. I said, certainly it can't all be yours. And certainly it can't all be coming to our tiny new apartment. And he said, oh, indeed, my love, it is. (laughs) That's it. That's the beginning in a a nutshell. And we did move and um, it was quite overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll let Lee take it over a little from here. Yeah. So I guess, you know, 
it was definitely a matter of coming into a smaller place, bringing everything with us, and it didn't all fit. I mean, I had things in a storage unit. I had things stored in a shed behind Becca's boss's house. My truck was full. We had a, a storage space in the basement of the apartment building. I had stuff at my folks' place. I had stuff in the backyard. I just had stuff. And that was sort of when it was at its peak. Um, and I, I think I had really started... I started acquiring and collecting when I was a little kid, like at three years old, I remember bringing home a big push mower that was like heavy, rusty, because I asked a neighbor if he had anything old he didn't need. And I guess I threw a big enough fit that my folks let me bring it to our next house when we moved at age three. Um, and then it traveled with me for 40 years before I actually let it go. And between acquiring it, getting married and letting it go, you know, my own recovery with this started in 2005 when Becca saw an ad in the company newsletter saying that there was a study. People who have too much stuff want to be enrolled in this to find out what attachment is all about and if it's something we can challenge and make change. So given the situation and, and my need for help and her need for me to get it, I called the number and got enrolled in it. And lo and behold, that study would lead to be one of the exercises in the Buried and Treasures workshop, which I would start facilitating in 2009. So it really was just being in the right place at the right time with the right motivation, the right support to kind of come to this place where I could get the education to actually do anything about what I needed to do. So, you know, that's sort of how we got here, but just we had our own things to work through, but with sort of this idea that will help ourselves and then we'll help other people. Just a question that I have about that. When you saw the number in the paper, was it Beck pushing you to call them? Did you take a few weeks, a few months before you got up the courage? Like I'm imagining what's going through someone's mind at that particular mm -hmm. moment. What was that like? She handed me the phone <laughs> and the number. Very straightforward. And, yeah. And I mean, we're kind of magical thinkers and it's just sort of like, okay, I'm going to open this and there's going to be a number and it's going to be life-changing. When she hands that to me, I figure that's the magic meeting me halfway, you know, but I knew, I knew I had to do something. It had to have been really hard for you, especially to share. It was also really interesting though, because I had studied with Dr. Randy Frost at Smith College. So I knew that good help existed in the world. And so when I I saw that number and I said to Lee, I have a feeling this is going to connect back to Randy and he's a great guy. So I feel really good about this. But also another factor, who reads the company newsletter? <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be. <laughs> it felt like that. It, ha it had that kind of calling like, oh, you know, like <laughs> something's opening yeah. up here and we need to take advantage of it. Yeah. And you absolutely mm -hmm. did. And isn't it fascinating how a lot of us have those moments in life where we have an aha moment, where it, things just line up and you can tell that a path has been opened up to you mm. and you just, you know, you want to leap with both, yeah. both feet forward. It just feels like the heavens have opened and the light is shining down right on where you are and it's like, go forth. This is all going to work mm -hmm. out just fine. So absolutely uh, love your story, guys, because 
it is a story of success. And I think when it comes to people who struggle with acquiring and letting go of stuff, there is a lot of feelings, emotions, guilt, shame, and in some cases, defeat with trying and not succeeding. But the thing that's so wonderful about your story is you've shown that, yes, it is a decision you make every day, but it is possible and there is hope. And I mean, as you said yourself, Lee, you're now someone who does facilitating for these workshops. And we definitely want to talk about that today for people who are looking for extra support and resources. Yes. So please tell us about this Oasis Club, which I know you've said is a type of group therapy, but it's unlike like anything you've ever seen before. Yeah. So I would say it's almost like untherapy. I'd say it's <laughs> therapeutic. And you talk about chance, you know. So the International OCD Foundation has an annual conference and we're always involved. And last year it was supposed to be in Seattle, Washington. And that was the first hotspot for COVID in the US back in February last year. And we saw that and we just kind of looked at each other and thought, I guess we're not going to Seattle. I guess we're not going to that conference this year because it just felt like this is a big thing. And so for the first time, they went virtual like a lot of other people. And so we had our conference online and and a feature every year is Becca runs a support group for family members of people with clutter and I run a peer support group. So we're in the peer support group. I'm there with quite a few people. And during the course of the conversation, you know, someone said, like, it's wrapping up soon. And, and the person who was moderating said, you can stay on for a little longer if you want. I said, I can't. I got to go. But why don't we get together again next week? If you want, I'll set up a Zoom call. So, like, party at my house. Everybody's invited. And so I gave him a password. I said, listen, if you want to do this, the code word is OASIS. And so email me Oasis and I'll send you the Zoom link and we'll get back together. I said, I'm not promising this will go forever, a couple of weeks maybe, but let's do this. So out of that, now I've got like 23 people that want to get back together. And I realized like this is that opportunity I've been waiting for because we've got people from all across the US, Canada, England, amazingly all in one place and motivated to get support and be together. And I said, you know, I've had this idea for a long time. Maybe this is the time to do it. And it's based on this sort of approach of creating in a home that's just full, finding a spot and calling that the oasis and putting all of your effort into creating this one space. So everything you're doing and you're learning, you're implementing it and you're practicing it and you're, you're making it real in that spot. And that can grow. So that was basically the first time I tried that in someone's home. There was, there was just so much, so much in there. And, but I noticed, you know, she had been telling me she's a reader and, um, you know, I could see a bookshelf and I said, you know, there's a chair there. There's a, a lamp next to it. There's a little table. What if we cleared out that spot so you could ha- have a reading nook? So that was like the first step. And then once there was enough room, I saw a folding screen. I said, how about we just set this up um, alongside your chair so that all you see is what we've cleared so far. So that was the next step. So just like three feet wide from the chair to the wall across the way. And then every single time we worked on it, we cleared a little more and a little more and a little more. And eventually that corner little oasis became the whole living room and then the whole hallway and the other rooms and things like that. And it all connected up. 
The oasis and grew. The oasis grew to sanctuary, ultimately. So the idea being like, okay, so to create that, but how, right? And that's where I've had this idea for cyclic form, an approach of a short cycle of different skills and um, sort of attention to different parts of what makes the clutter and what helps make it go away. Starting with a week looking at aspiration. So like, why do I want to change? And then the next week about acquisition. And then the next one about possession and then reflection. So you've got four themes and then they start over. So every four sessions, you can have new people enrolling. Every session is complete unto itself, not serialized. Like if you were watching Twilight Zone, you could jump in in the middle and it would still be cool. Um, so it's kind of like that. You don't have to watch five seasons of Breaking Bad to get it. You know, it's just good. <laughs> and so what we've been doing is I said to the group, I said, this is the way it'll kind of work. You give me all the things that you really want to talk about. And I will put them into these different themes. And so you'll pick the topics and I'll put them in the themes and then I'll share a strategy to, to help work on that. And so everything from mapping out a space and, and planning where that oasis will be to reflecting on shame and turning it into a keep or um, throw away. Like, do, would I keep shame if it was a physical thing? You know, and just sort of having a different way to handle and manage and look at things. Oh, Lee. And I don't, I don't see the why in other groups. I see what and how and when, but I don't see why. And that's, that's the part that's different. I love that imagery. Oh. If shame was physical, would I keep it? Would we keep it? Would you keep it? I mean, I don't want to, but I probably no, but that, do. That must be such beautiful imagery for people to hear. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of this symbiotic thing where we were coming up with topics and they, they said something and the topic ended up being everything expires, even flowers and other pretty things. And we started to look at everything as if it was food. And is it still good? Like, where's the expiration date? Is it still nourishing? Is it healthy? Is it stale? Do I even like this stuff? Was it just on sale? And then like, is it even good anymore? Was the kind of thing. And like, wow, you look around, it's like those flowers were really pretty for a long time, but they've expired. Those things have expired, you yeah. know, and just like they conceptualizing live. it that way. Yeah, they live their life. Yeah. They had their time. We can yeah. appreciate it for where it was in the past, but then we look at where we are yeah. now in the future and accept that it's time has come to an end. And we talk about that actually yeah. quite a lot with decluttering in general is, you know, is this a part of my past, present or future? But the imagery that you're evoking there, it would the really- food is great. It That's really helps awesome. people of all different, as you say, Beck, like neurodiversities, try and comprehend and understand. Because Lee, I'm sure you can attest to, from your experience, that when you look at stuff, you might look at an object in one way and Beck looks at that same object in a very different way. Oh, totally. Yeah, so Lee, with this trial group that you've just run last year how long did it run for and what would you determine the success of the group or the outcome of the group was yeah so I put out um so we started meeting I guess that was August and I put out a doodle poll to everybody and literally half the people said they could come on a Tuesday night and half said Sunday so I was like well all right so I'll have two groups and so I ran two groups 20 sessions of each so and that ended on this Tuesday, a couple nights ago. Oh, wow. Okay. The, four, the 40th meeting. 
and we were reflecting and that's basically what it's about that final session in the cycle in the song it's called a rondo it sends you back to the beginning and in a rondo essentially the music changes but the song remains the same so you're still setting small goals every week but the outcome changes and the reasons why change it's still the same song but it sounds different you live it differently you experience it differently so we're at this you know meeting the other night and we're just kind of reflecting on what we've seen change within ourselves around ourselves people are turning the camera and showing the room that they talked about wanting to transform a few months ago into a space they're in it now and one of the coolest things someone being able to like stand up for themselves and say, look what I have done to a family member that was only forcing them to look at what they hadn't done. So that was like a beautiful thing, the change inside, outside, and then just the applicability for it to really be a household thing where imagine that Becca and I are in our cluttered home back in the day. What if she's got an opportunity to create her oasis, I make mine, and we make ours? So it would be like we both had something to own and cherish and protect and also a place to play cards, <laughs> you know, yes. something like that. <laughs> something fun, you know. So uh, it's very organic the way it came to be and really beautiful. People have really seen a lot of change. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy. And this space in here is different. I designated this space as an oasis and looked at what I had on the walls and <clears throat> was like, you know, does that really reflect all of who I am? And uh, so I started to change it up just when it was done, just when it was just how I liked it. I thought, <laughs> okay, now I can take it down. But I wouldn't have had that impulse if it wasn't for that conversation to think like, well, where am I at now? That's amazing. Such a great process. And I, I love that as being part of like the facilitator of that group, it also inspires you to make changes at home. That's what I love the most about all types of group therapy and even mm -hmm. working like one-on-one -on -one with clients. I get inspired after I've gone and decluttered with someone to come home and change mm -hmm. things up for me as well. It's like this constant cycle of inspiring each other. It's yeah. like their momentum builds my momentum. It's funny because yeah, like I've been sitting here doodling a Mobius strip, you know, how it goes around like that. And that's kind of how the momentum between us and all of the people that we connect with, it flows mm. back and forth. Yes. It's so, like my yeah. energy gives you energy, gives you energy, you know, and we can all yeah. feed into each other in that way. As we're talking about group therapy, it reminds me of this study that I recently had looked at. It was conducted in about 2007 and it basically showed that for people who left a form of inpatient treatment, when they left their inpatient treatment and then engaged in group therapy, and this was actually in a virtual setting, so they met together every week for about 90 minutes with a group therapist. There was about 10 to 12 people in the group. And they did this for about 10 to 12 weeks. Their therapeutic outcomes were substantially higher than those who had no group therapy at all. And so it shows that even in the world of COVID and in the world of everything being virtual now, yes, face-to-face -face is brilliant, but there are options out there for you that are really truly statistically going to be beneficial and it is a beautiful silver lining that as you said oh, yeah. lee you've been able to engage with people not just in your local area but in people in other countries are all able to come together mm. and of course the beauty as well is that they're in their homes and so as you say they get these moments of pride whereas they work together each week they can then say hey you know that room i've been talking about i can actually show you it and that must be so incredible 
Hey, so I just have to interrupt here. I've just taken a drink of my water bottle and I don't know if you can see this down the bottom. It says Oasis. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's beautiful too. There you go. I got a coffee cup. I have an Oasis coffee cup as well. Oh, do you? When we were in Australia, I really wanted to get the travel mug with a built-in French press. Yep, yep. And we went to a store and I'm sitting here during a meeting when I'm like, it's an Oasis mug. So I also had an Oasis mug. Yay. See, we're connected across the globe. It's great. (laughs) I want to just reflect for a second on that Mm -hmm. idea of the back and forth and the give and take, because that was a huge factor in me really breaking through a wall and moving forward. I would say that for the first month of our Oasis Club sessions, I was keeping up with the daily, uh, the weekly small goals I was setting for myself. And then I wasn't. And week after week after week after week after week, I was not completing the small goal, the specific small goal. I was doing hundreds of hours of work decluttering other things, but not that thing. When it came down to, we had like one cycle left. I, I said to everybody, I was like, anybody notice I haven't like completed a goal. You're still cheering me on. We're cheering each other on, but I haven't reached a goal. I'm really committing myself for the next month. And them seeing me rededicate myself because I've been watching them succeed. It's just like zoom. And then like everybody was meeting their small goals and the small goals were getting bigger and just like checking in with excitement and enthusiasm and a sense of like, we got this, you know, but really like I, I would not have made that, that next step if it wasn't for that, because I had something to prove to myself. I was like, I don't know, I got to do this. I got to do this. And so that, you know, it's one of those things. It was the group, just like a slingshot. That is cool. It's almost like the boomerang. I think we actually talked about that imagery last time, even as well about it returning. And that's how it goes around. And it's a bit like when you've got a flame and you pass it to another wick, it doesn't extinguish your flame. It just mm-hmm. multiplies it, and that's that's what it's like. That's really cool. So I have to ask, Oasis is a new concept, Lee, and some people who are familiar with either both of you or Dr. Randy Frost or um, those areas of work may have heard of the Buried in Treasures workshop but not heard of Oasis. So how are the two of these different as far as resources go for people to access? Yeah, well, I would say that, Buried in Treasures is really like a systematic approach to understanding the underlying reasons why we're holding on to things, what specifically makes it difficult to let them go, and then gaining skills to be able to organize them and keep them that way. So it's a really practical cognitive behavioral therapy approach. All of the work we do is really above the surface in the group. So we don't go under the surface. We don't get like personal in the conversation. We really just talk about the effect, but not the cause. With the Oasis Club, we talk about the cause and then reflect on the effect and then apply something to it. So it's just, it's like the hard skills and then the the gray area skills, I guess. Um, Whatever that is, that's what we've been doing for the last several months. So what I'm understanding is it sounds like they're quite complementary to each other. Like you kind of need a bit of both to really be able to have some practical skills, but also to really get down to the nitty gritty. The psychology of why. Yeah, the psychology of why that you may not be able to do in one of the workshops. Because I'm in both and I think it goes great. Really helpful um, because they kind of fill in gaps for each other. So for people who want to 
know more about the Oasis Club and get access mm-hmm. to your new and upcoming groups because you are now going to take this international, which is super exciting. Um, how um, big, how announcement. That's a big announcement. Yes. No one knows. <laughs> yes. You heard it here <laughs> first. Like, there's, like 23, there's like 23 people like sworn to secrecy. They did. They're so patient with me. They're so patient. They signed these ridiculously long, please don't tell anybody, please, please. Like, because it's such an important concept. Yes. But I said to him the other night, I'm like, everybody can share it now. Because what the heck would you have said about it? Like back in the day, because it was just this like concept of like, I saw a YouTube video and they're playing heavy metal music <laughs> on an acoustic guitar. And it was beautiful. And I had this idea about moving parts in a composition called cyclic form. And now we're all here. So what are you going to tell people anyway? and i got less clutter but like between points a and b there's this whole process Mm. uh and so coming to our website www.mutual-support.com that's really the hub so all of the things that we're doing uh like this podcast will have a link on our homepage, so they can find out about cool things that are going on that you're doing um and you know to find out what we're doing so we'll, we'll post the things there um, and so they can they can find us and they can find what we're doing there. So if they awesome. want to find out about Oasis, head to um, your website. We'll have the link in the show notes um, for everybody to check out as well. So that's for both Oasis and Buried in Treasures too? Correct. So let's, let's switch yep. gears a little bit because poor Beck's been in the background a fair bit for this one so far. <laughs> now, you've also been doing some really exciting things and during COVID, a lot of businesses, a lot of organizations and corporations realized that, hey, we've got to change because we can't meet in person anymore and they've gone virtual. And that's been a really good silver lining of COVID, I think, is a lot more people can work from home. Um, we recognize how good online meeting can actually be when we're not allowed to meet face-to-face. You have managed to to take a very physical group therapy of Buried in Treasures and turn it virtual. So can you first of all tell us a little bit about what Buried in Treasures is and then how you were able to take sure. it virtual? Buried in Treasures is not really group therapy. What it is, um, it's not a support group either. It's really a supportive action group is how I would state it. And um, it's designed so that it can be peer-led. Clinicians don't need to be involved. It's kind of a a thing where um, it's evidence-based. So the power to the people is a format that really works in this system. It's been proven and that makes it much more accessible. We can spread it around. We can help people. You know, normally a clinician works one-on-one a lot of the time, but um, we can see up to 10 people in one of these groups. And as Lee was saying, it's really adapted from cognitive behavioral therapy. And what we're doing is looking at what gets people stuck in their information processing, like things like decision-making or memory or um, attention, things like that can get in the way. And um, other components are the emotional pieces, the sentimental attachment, the feelings of responsibility for things in the environment, things like that can get in the way. So really the head and the heart of it come together for people and combine with behavior that causes clutter. And so the group really addresses those different components and people are able to see what have their individual sticking points been? Where have they gotten caught 
in keeping things or acquiring too much. So it's really eye-opening and people have some great aha moments. Wow, other people feel this way too. It's just amazing to see those lights turn on for people. And I had my first experience with a Zoom group from the International OCD Foundation when I ran the support group for family members last year. And I was worried about how that would go, but we had about 50 people on that call and I couldn't believe the warmth that could come through. I'm a hugger. You yeah. see me at the yeah. You give you great hugs. Hugs. People, thank you. So do you. No, thank and you. I love hug people. And you know what? At the end of this conversation, we were all giving hugs, you know, cyber hugs to each other through the camera. And at that point, I thought, wow, I think this is really going to work. And we have found that to be true in all the virtual groups that we're running. The connection of human spirit is so there. And it might even be a better quality maybe because people are in their homes, they're in their natural environments, uh, defenses might be down a little bit, they feel safe. I think that's really helpful too. And it allows us to reach people who maybe couldn't leave their homes, you know, people who transportation was tricky for or various uh, conditions physically that made it difficult to get out and about. So it's just a full-on thumbs up. It's become so much more accessible for people. And one of the things I've thought about is, you know, we need more resources here in Australia for people who cannot leave their homes. Mm. And so do you have any good news for us on that front? (laughs) Well, we will be running our first um, Design to Be Australia Time we miss our australian cousins so to speak <laughs> over there so we, we miss you all so we're definitely going to be plotting some times that will make it accessible to you that's, all in that's australia that's so awesome you get in touch and let us know what part of the country you're in so we'll know your time zone we can get things set up but distances no matter anymore we've learned Yeah, no, it's true. And you know what? Buried in Treasures workshops have been, I don't know, around for however many years, but they're in Brisbane in particular, they're just not very often like you could be lucky if you get one a year run by some organization. So for people to be able to access virtual Buried in Treasures workshops in their time zone and access you and access you we guys or fabulous. Yeah. Or your trainers. You. Like you. I think you're going to be inundated. It's taking down some barriers. Yes. And I think in a time where some people cannot leave the home, you know, be it for lockdowns or what have you, it's keeping social connectedness, which I remember from our episode with um, Dr. Frost, he was saying how important social connection and family connection is for people who are struggling with acquiring and letting go. So, yeah, so true. Every week to look forward to seeing people's bright, smiling faces on the screen when we meet up. And one thing I, I've got to say about the Buried in Treasures group, you know, we, people say, oh, you guys are the success story. We see successes all the time. Mm. I have to stress that it is heartening. I am always so moved because the number of people who want help and can't get it is, I think, much larger than people who don't want to make change. But we have people all the time who are making great strides and it is just it is awe-inspiring and my heart I just feel it like growing with 
everyone's stories and growth. It's amazing. And you, you guys are a public success story, but knowing that there are those other success stories out there and, and whatever that success looks like for each individual person, it's so good to know that, hey, these groups actually really work. Buried in Treasures really works. This Oasis Club, it really works. It helps people. And our motto here at Little Home Organized is progress, not perfection. So it's, we love it. yeah, it's just awesome that you guys are helping people find that momentum and progressing forward. It's amazing. So for people who are interested, especially for our Australian listeners as well, and they want to um, inquire about Oasis or they're interested in joining a virtual um, Buried and Treasures workshop as well. So the best recommendation is to head to your website. Go to the website and there is a link there to complete an application and then we'll be in touch. So it's really detailed in terms of even right down to the technology you need to have to be in the group, all the moving parts from your own motivation to having a webcam. Um, so it really helps people check the box and say, is this the group for me? So go right to the uh, the website, mutual-support.com and click the button. Perfect. Awesome. Oh, yes, go on, Beck. I just want to mention that I have a feeling that people don't know how much fun that we have getting together in these groups because you think about the subject, you think yes. about how hard it is to work on it. Yeah. And you know that people are overwhelmed and it, it's hard. Um, but I have to say there's so much joy um, expressed in these groups that it is just such a like wonderful haven to be in. That's a really good point because people do get scared of, you know, decluttering or facing what they might feel uh-huh. as, are their demons, but doing it in a supportive group. And where, having a bit of fun too. Yeah, and and. That is the key, isn't it? Like not taking it so seriously and being able to have a laugh about stuff and, yeah, just being with people who are like-minded is is so valuable. Stuff isn't bad. We just might have too much of it. Yes. And learning to value and use what we do have and giving ourselves permission to do that and make change. Oh, what so a beautiful true. note to end on. So true. Thank you so much, Lee and Beck, for speaking with us again today. I just feel like, you know, you filled my little heart with um, our time with some American, <laughs> good quality American friends of ours. So thank you once again. <laughs> hey, we'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised community group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoyed the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world. Listener.